Good evening. It's always a great pleasure and very encouraging that you actually came back tonight, knowing that uh, Randy's not going to be here. And I said I wouldn't do this again. I wouldn't follow after him. But uh, he chose the order this time and put me in this position. So I'm really thankful that you did decide to come back because it's hard to follow behind somebody, even though he is my son, that you're these young people, what they do and uh, how proud you are of them and the commitment they have and how hard they work uh, for the Lord. And I'm very proud of him and, and what he's done. And But thank you for coming back tonight. Facing mountains. We all have mountains we have to face. There's various things that we have in our lives that we have to do. And uh, But really, what is a mountain? Maybe. There it is. What is a mountain? A mountain is a large landform that stretches above the surrounding land in a given area. They can be various in size and shape. They're usually very majestic, and many times they seem to just pierce the sky and stretch into heavens. They're large. You can't see through them. You can't see around them or even over them. They can be hard to climb, and many times they seem impossible to overcome. But as Cale read in Mark 11, and Jesus talked about whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, I don't believe he was talking about the mountains that you see right here. As beautiful as that is, I don't think that's what he was really referring to. I think he's referring to obstacles and problems that we have in our everyday lives that we have to deal with. You know, some of the mountains we have to deal with uh, as Christians are problems at work financial problems, sicknesses, family problems, marital problems, peer pressures, and the list can just go on and on and on of things that we have to deal with. You know, but just remember what Jesus said, that we can take those mountains and we can cast them into the sea and we can put them out of our lives so they don't hinder us from being the kind of Christian that God wants us to be. We face mountains for a reason. You know, life's a series of problem-solving opportunities. The problems, these mountains, will either defeat you or they'll strengthen you and develop you. It all just depends on how you respond to them. God places these mountains in front of us for a reason. And he uses these mountains to, to direct us, to inspect us, to correct us, to protect us, and to perfect us. When he does directions, a lot of times he's putting these mountains out here to direct us and to teach us. Jesus was with his disciples, and they were in a boat. They were crossing the sea, and a huge storm had come upon them. And in Mark 4, 38 through 41, he's, it was, we're told, said, but he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, 
peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? God put this mountain in front of them, this storm, to teach them, to teach them who Jesus was and the power that he actually had. God puts mountains in front of us to inspect us. You know, amazingly, we're all just like a tea bag. If you really want to find out what's inside us, just put us in hot water, and you'll see what the person is inside them. In James 1, verses 2 and 3, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that testing of your faith produces patience. God puts mountains out sometimes to correct us. You know, some of the lessons that we learn in life are through pain and failure. Every one of you can sit back and think. As a matter of fact, I heard it said today to my grandchildren. Your parents always told you, don't touch the stove. It's hot. It'll burn you. Those very words were said today. And you know, we learned a valuable lesson. But did we learn that lesson because they told it to us or because we were dumb enough and we touched the stove at some point and we realized how hot it was? We learned from that pain and that failure. That mountain was put in front of us to correct us. Psalms 119, 71-72. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statues. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. And then also in Hebrew 12, 5 and 6, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So many times those mountains are put in front of us to correct us to bring us back to where we need to be. And we need to always remember to put aside all sinful behavior. In Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, God also puts mountains out there to protect us. Many times those mountains may be a blessing in disguise that we just don't realize. It may be something that's preventing us from being harmed from something more serious. Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant evil for, uh, meant it for good. And in order to bring it about as it is in this day to save many people alive. And in Isaiah 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For yea, the Lord is my strength and song. He has also become my salvation. The Lord also puts things out there to perfect us. You know, mountains are something that we have to face, but how we respond, and if we respond correctly, it builds character. You know, God's a lot more interested in what our character is than what our comfort is. 
sometimes those mountains may not be the most comfortable thing in the world, but if it builds a character that we need, that's what God's interested in. You know, our relationship with God will depend on if we spend eternity with, not, with him or not, not how comfortable we are in this world. So we need to be sure that, that those things are put in front of us. It builds the character that God wants us to. In Romans 5, 3, and 4, And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation pr produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. We always need to remember that God is at work in our lives. We may not recognize it a lot of times or understand it, but it's a much easier and more profitable for us if we'll just cooperate with him and accept the things he puts in front of us and do what he wants us to do. In Jeremiah 3:27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God can handle anything we put in front of him. Let's talk about some ways that mountains have been dealt with in the past, and they're dealt with today. You turn back from them. You walk around them. You climb them. You dig through them, or you just blast them away. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they wanted to turn back. Romans 14, 1 through 4. And so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel, they complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If we had only died in the land of Egypt, or if we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us just to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. That mountain they faced in the wilderness, they just wanted to turn back and run. They didn't want to you know, face it and do what needed to be done. Also, they wanted to walk around it. And when you try to walk around something, most of the time it's just a lot of wasted effort. The easiest way to do is tackle it, go straight forward. And in Exodus 14, 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Don't try to go around it. Don't try to deal with the problem. Just tell them to go forward, just like I told you. You know, and sometimes we have to climb that mountain. And it may be difficult, and it may require a lot of effort on our part. We all know the story of David and Goliath. You know, David faced a huge mountain when he, when he had to face Goliath. And in 1 Samuel 17, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine, and he killed him. Well, you remember when he did that, he was back a ways from him. But that just put, that put Goliath on the ground. But what did it say David did? He climbed that mountain. He said, But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, and he stood over the Philistine. He took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and he killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. David climbed that mountain. 
He killed the giant that was in front of him. And then he went straight toward that giant. He climbed it. He killed him. And he made the Philistine army run. Sometimes you just got to dig through it. The children of Israel at the Red Sea, they come to the Red Sea. They were blocked. What do we do? How, do we, how are we going to get through? The Egyptians are coming after us. And what did God do for him? In Exodus 14, verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And it made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. God allowed them to dig right through the Red Sea and walk across on dry land. He took care of them, but he put them straight through it. And you know, sometimes you just blast it away. We've all heard the story of Joshua at Jericho. He blasted the mountain away. And so in Joshua 6.20, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Joshua blasted that mountain he had facing him. He took it down. But you know, every one of these was with God's help. The people didn't do it on their own. How should we deal with mountains? What should we do? Should we climb them? Should we dig through them? Should we blast them? Or should we just turn away and run? We read in Mark 11, 20 through, through 24. We were told what to do. Jesus, so Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them, and you will have them. Jesus tells us exactly what we need to do to move those mountains. To move the mountains that we're facing in our life. He specifically said, have faith in God. Now, we need to remember that this passage is just not about faith in general. It's about faith in God. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that they have faith in a sense, a sense of sort of self-confidence. They have faith in men, religious leaders, both dead and alive. They have people that have faith in religious systems and human creeds or philosophical methods. But in Mark, we're not talking about generic faith. It's about faith in God. And we need to remember that the Lord's statement identified and limited the subject. You know, verse 23 in this, it, this shouldn't be taken just as a blanket promise to command the terrain to move. We have no record in the New Testament of an apostle or a gifted Christian or any believer changing the terrain literally picking up the mountain and moving it into the sea. Nor do we have any record of a physical camel literally passing through an eye of a needle. 
This language is designed to create a visual picture for us. You know, as we create this picture in our minds, you know, it brings us to a point. In this case, it in, this picture invokes great power and strength. Just put it in your mind that you see that picture we had there, that mountain being picked up and just cast in the sea. Just think of the power that it would take to do that. And that's what, you know, that's what God's wanting us to see, the power that's there. You know, casting this mountain into a sea is, it's not that specific object of the will of God that it wants, but it illustrates that unlimited power that God has. And when he works through men that believe in him and they don't have any doubt. You know, we can face and conquer great difficulties when we put our faith in God. The challenges that we face seem like huge mountains that we just can't climb. We can't cross. But the deeply rooted, active faith in God is where our strength is. And that's what gives us the strength to confront these mountains and move them out of the way. How do we have this deeply rooted faith in God? The first thing is, the object of the faith must be God himself. You know, we're not told to have faith, but to have faith in God. Faith to be active must have an object. Faith in itself is nothing. Only when you have faith in God do you have value. The Bible doesn't tell us to have faith in faith. You know, many times, though, when we have a problem in our life, one of the first things you hear said, I just need to increase my faith. What am I saying when I do this? Am I saying I can whip the problem? It's me. I can be the one to whip it. Am I saying that my mind and attention and heart is focused upon increasing my faith? Or is it focused upon God? It has to be focused upon God. My faith is not going to move the mountains. Only the power of God can move those things forward. Faith requires knowing that object. That object's God. The more we study about God, the more we will know him. Just a little illustration. There's a gentleman had been ice fishing his whole life in this area, on this frozen lake. And he invited a friend to come with him and go ice fishing. And they were standing there, and he told his friend, said, hey, go on out on the ice. I'm getting my stuff. Just go out there, cut you a hole, and start fishing. I'll be there in a minute. Well, the guy took two or three steps, and then he stopped. And he took another one and began to tremble a little bit. And he took another one, and he just sort of froze. He stood there a minute. He turned and went right back to the bank. He was scared to death to be out on that ice. His buddy who invited him, he just sort of laughed, picked up his stuff, walked straight out on the ice, cut him a hole, and started fishing. You know, what was it that supported the man that actually went out on the ice? What was it supported him? Was it his faith? No. It was the ice. The ice was the object of his faith. And of the two, who had the strongest faith? The man that actually went out on the ice. The one with the weak faith, he's the one who went back to the bank. What's the difference in these two? The man that actually went out there, he knew the eyes. He knew it would take care of him. He knew it would support him. He didn't have to worry about it. Therefore, if we want our faith to be strong, we must know God. 
and we must know where our faith is and where it must be placed. All right, what's the purpose of our faith? The purpose of that faith is to move those mountains, to move those difficulties out of our lives. You know, a mountain represents something that's deemed to be immovable, the impossible. It's almost always something too steep to climb or too high to cross or too vast to see beyond, but Jesus tells us to pray. And the more we pray and study God's word, the more we will know him. The more we know him, the greater our faith will be. And the greater our faith in God, as time goes on, the more those mountains have a tendency to disappear from our lives when we put God first in everything we do. And how do we possess this faith? You know, Jesus told us you can't have doubt in your heart, but you've got to believe. And he said these things will be done. No doubt at all. This means never having a thought of whether it can be done or not. You know, when we give to God, God doesn't want the 95% that we give him. He wants the 5% that we kept back for ourselves. He wants 100% of everything we have given to him. When we give our lives fully to him, then we will see the power of God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And finally, the result of that faith. A man who prays truly having faith in God, it will be done. Those mountains which confront us, they'll be removed effectively and quickly. You know, we've all read the chapter of Hebrews 11. It's called the Hall of Fame chapter or different things about, and we read about the faith of Abraham. In Hebrews 11, 17, 18, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said, in Isaac, your sheep, you know, your seed shall be called. Now we've all read the story of Abraham and Isaac as he goes upon the mountain to sacrifice Isaac. And we're not told a lot of details of the interaction between Abraham and Isaac, but I want us to think just a minute about the mountain that Abraham had to face. The mountain that he had to climb. Not only did he have to climb that physical mountain in the land of Moriah, he had to face a mountain in front of him that most of us can't even imagine. He was taking his son to sacrifice to God, knowing he was going to have to take his son's life. He had to take his own son's life to do what God asked him to do. Now, this is not in the Bible, and this is something I've just totally made up, so just remember that, but I want to, it, it gives a good point. Let's talk just a minute about Abraham and Isaac and maybe what occurred on their way. Hey, Isaac, Isaac, my boy, come here just a minute. Hey, Dad, what you need? He said, Son, we're going to take a trip. We're going to the mountains. That's wonderful, Dad. What are we going to do? We're going up in the mountains to build an altar. We're going to sacrifice to God. You mean I get to come with you and I get to help? Yes, son, Isaac. You get to come with me, and son, I need your help. So as they start getting together, Abraham gives Isaac some things to carry. They're putting all those things to go. 
they start off on their journey. Down the ways, Isaac says, hey, Dad, we forgot the ram to sacrifice. Abraham turned and looked at him. He said, I know, son. Just remember, God will provide for us. Okay. He just took it in stride and kept going. They kept going on down the road a little bit. Dad, how's he going to provide for us? Son, just trust God. Have faith in him. He will provide for us. As they keep going and their, you know, their conversations go, they finally get to the point where Abraham says, Son, this is where we're going to build the altar. Great, Dad. What do I need to do? Son, go get me some stones. Go get those stones and bring them back here and let's stack them up. We're going to build this altar. So as he does, he starts bringing them back. He said, Dad, I've been looking around. I don't see any animals for us to sacrifice. He said, Son, I told you. Just trust in God. He will provide. So they go on. They finally do it. They get the altar built. Now Isaac's really concerned. He said, Dad, I really don't see anything around here. And he said, Son, do you trust me? He said, Yeah, Dad, I trust you. He said, Well, son, I want you to understand something. I trust God with all my heart. And I have 100% of my faith in him. God will provide for us. Okay. He said, son, come here just a minute. So Abraham, he takes Isaac. He bands his hands together and his feet. And he picks him up and sets him on the altar. And Isaac's asking, dad, what are you doing? He said, son, have faith in God. God will provide for us. And as Abraham drew a knife back to kill his only son, God stopped him. Then Abraham reached down. He picked up Isaac, set him down. He took the binding off of him. He hugged his son. And he said, son, I told you, trust God. He will provide. Look over in the bushes. There's a ram. He's hung. Son, let's go get him. Let's sacrifice to God and let's worship him. Now just think of the mountain that Abraham had to, had to, he had to face. But he never let his faith move in any way. He kept his faith in God. But more importantly, what kind of faith did Abraham install into his son? What kind of message did he teach his son that day? He taught Isaac that no matter what it takes, whatever it takes in this world, whatever you have to do, you put your faith in God. God will provide the things we need. God will move that mountain. He will take it out of your life and provide you the things that you need. No matter how hard or how difficult it is, it's there. It requires your faith in God not in anything else you know Abraham faced a mountain that I can I can't even hardly comprehend do any of you here do you think you could do what Abraham did do you think you could stand there with that knife drawn back ready to kill your only child that you had that much faith in God but God says if we want to move those mountains our faith has to be in him, completely in him. It's said with no doubt. You know, only God can move those mountains and cast them into the sea. 
And it doesn't matter what the storm of life brings to you. God always provides a rainbow at the end. You know, true faith requires obedience on our part. It requires obedience to his word. We're told if you want to have the chance of being able to be with God, to spend all eternity with him, he tells us what to do in the Bible. Be obedient to him. Be baptized in his name for the remission of your sins. And walk a faithful life with him, putting your faith and trust in him. And you know, for those of, those of us who have done that, maybe our faith is, is wandered away a little bit. We've taken some of that faith back into us and not put 100% of that faith into God. And you know, if you do, God's willing to take you back. He wants that part that you've kept to give it back to him. He wants you to give 100% of yourself to him. So tonight, if any of you have any reason, anything in your life that you need to put your faith back in God, it's up to you. The time is ready. All you have to do is walk forward and say, God, I'm yours. If there's any need you have tonight, would you please come as we stand and sing?